We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Away we go, episode 314 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Friday, May 13th, 2022. Yes, it is Friday the 13th. So let me get this straight. The Capitals on this Friday night are facing elimination in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs with game six against the Florida Panthers at Capital One Arena at 7.30. And this game is a game on a Friday the 13th. So the Caps, with their tortured Stanley Cup playoff history, are facing elimination at home on a Friday the 13th. What could possibly go wrong? (laughs) Hello and welcome to this Friday the 13th installment of the Al Galdi podcast, the only Washington DC Sports Podcast, or show that regularly talks Commanders, Capitals, Wizards, Nationals, Orioles, Maryland, Georgetown, uh, a podcast that is with you every weekday, a podcast that is with you oh so early each weekday, out by the 5 a.m. hour each weekday, and often much earlier than that. Uh, do not forget to subscribe to the podcast. If you don't already subscribe to the podcast, subscribing costs you nothing, and make sure that you never miss an episode. The Commanders 2022 regular season schedule is out. Week one, Commanders versus the Jacksonville Jaguars at FedEx Field Sunday afternoon, September 11th at one. Boy, you talk about a game between two teams with terrible recent histories, but a game That's actually filled with a lot of storylines, right? We have the Carson Wentz rematch with the Jags storyline of his oh-so-bad performance against them in Week 18 of last season in his final game with the Indianapolis Colts, a game that the Colts owner and CEO Jim Irsay cannot stop crying about. Uh, We have the Carson Wentz-Doug Peterson storyline of Peterson as Philadelphia Eagles head coach, having been the head coach with whom Wentz has enjoyed his most NFL success. We have the Brandon Sheriff storyline as Sheriff's first regular season game with the Jags will be a game 
at his former team. I tell you, for a game featuring two of the worst franchises in the NFL over the last 20 years, there are a lot of storylines. Well, next segment, my reaction to my analysis of the Commander's 2022 regular season schedule. Uh, Spoiler, I like it. I like the Commander's 2022 regular season schedule. I think that there's a good bit to like. I'll explain. Also on the show, I'll talk Nationals off a 4-1 loss to the New York Mets at Nationals Park on Thursday afternoon. There are a few things with this game that I want to get into with you, including things having to do with Juan Soto, namely his contract situation and a terrible base running play involving him and Josh Bell. This was woeful. This was like bad news bears type stuff. And I'll talk Orioles later in the show. How about the O's? They, via a bullpen game, went at the St. Louis Cardinals 3-2 on Thursday afternoon. You know, the O's now are 8-4 and four over their last 12 games. If you are an O's fan, and I know that many of you are, there are some things to really be excited about with this team right now. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Algaldi podcast at yahoo.com. Lots of tweets on the great go-go song from the Redskins marching band from years ago that I played on Thursday's show, episode 313. Tweet from Mando J. Dude, that go-go fight song with a full stadium going after every touchdown is exactly what this city needs. Imagine the vibes if we got a stadium in D.C. as well. Commander's Games would be the greatest time ever. Tweet from Daniel. Love the go-go clip you played at the beginning. Tweet from Maine 12. Al, that go-go drop was sick, man. Somebody get Jason Wright on the phone. Good idea, Maine. My guess is that Jason Wright would appreciate that song. He might even give us a... There it is. There it is. <laughs> yes, Jason. There it is. Just like Jason said... This past February 2nd, in the announcement of the name Commanders on NBC's The Today Show. There it is. There it is. Exactly, Jason. (laughs) There it is. Uh, Email from John from Jersey uh, on this podcast. And on what I talked about on last Friday's show, episode 309, that I am feeling better about the Commanders having traded for Carson Wentz. All right, John. First, I want to say once again that I love. Your objective, insightful, and detailed analysis of all that is Washington football, parentheses, skins, WFT commanders. Great job. Well, thank you, John. Continues, John. Second, I like the numbering of shows to help track things and have adopted it myself with my emails. How about that? Third, I am not a huge fan of the intro music and would suggest using your old go-go tunes. Uh, I hear you on that, John, but unfortunately, there are rules against using copyrighted music. Continues, John. I am also feeling better about the Carson Wentz trade. The team never had much choice, as I don't think that any key free agents wanted to come to the team, and I would include Wentz in that group had he been released. The quarterback class in the NFL draft was not strong, so the team made a strong move to address the quarterback situation, and with some luck, the move could pay off. Given the current rants from Jim Ursay and his known instability, it seems clearer than ever that the Indianapolis Colts trading Wentz was an owner-driven decision, and we all know how well owner-driven decisions usually go. 
I just watched the highlights of the Colts' loss at the Jacksonville Jags in Week 18 last season, and while the highlights didn't show all of the Colts' negative offensive plays, the highlights clearly showed that the Colts' defense was non-existent. The Jags moved at will. Moreover, Wentz had a number of balls dropped. I am sure that Wentz did not play well, but to put it all on him is unfair, and I look forward to the commanders giving him a chance. Uh, thank you for the email, John. You know, I think that a lot of things are true about the commanders having traded for Carson Wentz. Uh, I believe that Carson Wentz was not the commander's first choice in terms of a veteran quarterback acquisition this offseason. I do believe that the commanders overpaid in the trade for Wentz so as to ensure that the commanders got him and got someone as opposed to being left standing in the game of quarterback musical chairs. Uh, I believe that the Colts' loss at Jacksonville in Week 18 of last season was awful, and Wentz in that game was really bad. I believe that the Colts' loss at Jacksonville in Week 18 of last season was not all on Wentz. Uh, I believe that the Colts' loss at Jacksonville in Week 18 of last season was one game and doesn't take away from the many good games that Wentz had last season. I believe that it's quite possible that Jim Irsay has totally overreacted to the Colts' loss at Jacksonville in Week 18 of last season. I believe that even with all of this said, there are red flags with Wentz, and you're being naive if you say otherwise. Uh, but I believe that if Wentz has learned from whatever mistakes that he has made and realizes that his situation with the Commanders may well be the last time that he enters the season as a team's QB1, then we hopefully will see the best version of Carson Wentz. And that, to me, is what is more key than anything when it comes to Carson Wentz and the Commanders. Are the Commanders getting a version of Carson Wentz that is a best version of Wentz, or at least a really good version of Wentz? Because if the commanders get at least a very good version of Wentz, then I do believe that there's a very legitimate path by which this trade can work out for the commanders. Now, the trade may well not work out for the commanders, but you're not a fool if you think that the trade could work out for the commanders. Uh, like I said, the key is the commanders getting an improved version of Carson Wentz, a Wentz who has learned from whatever mistakes that he has made in the past. Well, what about the 2022 regular season schedule that the Carson Wentz quarterback commanders will be facing? We now know that schedule. I have many thoughts on that schedule. I'll give you those thoughts after this. Well, it is hard to remember a time in which grocery shopping was as unappealing as it is right now, right? Prices at stores are ridiculous due to inflation. Just driving to the store is costly because of the cost of gas. And you're super busy. I mean, who even has time to go food shopping, let alone to think about what to make on a daily basis? And so all of this is why you should try HelloFresh. HelloFresh is great. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your home 
and at an affordable price. And not only do the ingredients come pre-portioned so that you're not overbuying or wasting food, but it's easier than ever to get filling meals on your kitchen table quickly with options like family-friendly and quick and easy recipes. Stop wasting your time worrying about when you're going to buy food and what you're going to buy and what you should make and what the kids will eat and how much the food will cost and try HelloFresh. We've tried HelloFresh and we love it. Uh, We have had sweet chili pork and cabbage stir fry, Monterey Jack unfried chicken, hub style shepherd's pie, saucy pork burrito bowls, Italian chicken, Southwest beef with pasta. The meals are fun, creative, healthy, and delicious. And the ultimate endorsement is this. My four-year-old son eats HelloFresh. And trust me, he is a picky eater. Him deeming something worthy of being eaten is like, you know, the white smoke coming out of the Vatican when a new pope is elected. He eats HelloFresh. He loves it. You will too. Uh, Also, HelloFresh will work with you. You can pick your favorite meals from 50 different weekly options. You can customize meals. You can skip weeks when needed. You can change your delivery date all on the HelloFresh app. So here's what to do. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Galdi16. Use the code Galdi16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. Yeah, this is a great deal. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Galdi16. Use the code Galdi16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. One more time, HelloFresh.com slash Galdi16. Use the code Galdi16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. All right, so the Commander's 2022 regular season schedule was officially released on Thursday night. Although, as is the case every year now on NFL schedule release day, games on the schedule were leaked, if not released, throughout the day on Thursday. Uh, Generally speaking, I like the Commander's 2022 regular season schedule. I guess I may be in the minority on that, but I like the schedule. I like it a lot. Uh, Here are two things to be mindful of right away. Number one, the Commander's 2022 regular season schedule sets up to be the easiest schedule in the NFL. Uh, This off Washington for the 2021 regular season, having had the hardest schedule in the NFL. And number two, the Commanders in the 2022 regular season are set to travel among the fewest miles in the NFL. These two things matter a lot. The difficulty of your schedule and the amount of travel that your schedule requires you to do. Let's start with the Commanders 2022 regular season schedule setting up to be the easiest in the NFL. Now, this is not based on opposing teams' winning percentages from the previous season. Uh, That's a really bad way of determining schedule strength because we know that the NFL is a year-to-year league. Uh, NFL analytics pioneer Warren Sharp of Sharp Football Analysis on March 31st came out with his NFL strength of schedule rankings for the 2022 regular season. Now, Sharp does his strength of schedule rankings for upcoming seasons based on projected win totals from Las Vegas oddsmakers, and Sharp ranked the Commanders as having the easiest schedule in the NFL for the 2022 regular season. So per the oddsmakers, per the Sharps, not Warren Sharp, but the Sharps in Vegas, the people who truly know what's going on, uh, the Commanders' 2022 regular season schedule sets up to be the easiest in 
the NFL. Now, maybe the schedule doesn't end up playing out that way, okay? But as things stand right now, the commanders are poised to have the easiest schedule in the NFL. Understand, Washington for the 2021 regular season had the hardest schedule in the NFL. If you go by Football Outsiders DVOA metric based on the average team DVOA of Washington's opponents, the difficulty of an NFL team schedule matters a lot. An NFL team doesn't play 82 games in the team's regular season like an NBA team does or an NHL team does. An NFL team doesn't play 162 games in the team's regular season like a Major League Baseball team does. No, an NFL team now plays a mere 17 games in the team's regular season. An NFL regular season is a small sample size, okay? So your schedule is a big deal. The difficulty of your schedule matters a lot. Washington in the 2021 regular season went 7-10 in facing the toughest schedule in the NFL per DVOA. Nobody felt great about Washington's 2021 regular season, and I'm not telling you to feel great about Washington's 2021 regular season, but the context of it matters. 7-10 and 10 against the toughest schedule in the NFL per DVOA, to say nothing of all of the other obstacles that Washington faced in the 2021 regular season, right? All of the injuries on offense, the late season COVID outbreak, etc. You know, you look at Washington's 2020 regular season. Washington went 7-9, and nine, and yes, won a weak NFC East in facing the fifth easiest schedule in the NFL per DVOA. It's a funny thing. Washington's 2020 season felt a lot better than the team's 2021 season, but the truth is that you can make a very strong case that Washington's 2021 season was more impressive than the team's 2020 season. Not that either season was some banner season, okay? But you tell me what's more impressive, going 7-10 and against the toughest schedule in the NFL per DVOA, or going 7-9 and against the fifth easiest schedule in the NFL per DVOA. Uh, you look at the rest of the NFC East last season. This is interesting. The Philadelphia Eagles in the 2021 regular season had the fifth easiest schedule in the NFL per DVOA. What the Eagles do last season? Went 9-8 and eight and made the NFL playoffs. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys in the 2021 regular season had the seventh easiest schedule in the NFL per DVOA. What the Cowboys do last season? Went 12-5 and five and won the NFC East. Uh, the New York Giants in the 2021 regular season had the second hardest schedule in the NFL per DVOA. Had the Giants do last season, right? Went four and 13. And then there's the travel. Uh, the commanders in the 2022 regular season are set to travel among the fewest miles in the NFL. According to betting analyst Bill Spiros, the commanders for the 2022 regular season are set to travel 13,000. 670 miles, which are the eighth fewest travel miles in the NFL and are the fewest travel miles in the NFC East. Uh, Obviously, less travel is good, right? Less time on airplanes, less time for bodies to stiffen up, more time for rest. You never want your team traveling a lot. Uh, Number one in the 2022 regular season in terms of most travel miles are the Seattle Seahawks with 29,446 travel miles and number 32 in the 2022 regular season in terms of most travel miles are the Pittsburgh Steelers a mere 6,000 
442 travel miles. So these two things are things to keep in mind with the Commander's 2022 regular season schedule. It sets up to be the easiest in the NFL and not a lot of travel for the Commanders. All right, so here are my thoughts on the Commanders 2022 regular season schedule. So the first thing that strikes me is the Commanders in their 2022 regular season have a good chance for a strong start and a good chance for a strong ending. Uh, The Commanders' first two games in the 2022 regular season will be against the two worst teams in the NFL last regular season. The Commanders will be home to the Jacksonville Jaguars in week one and then at the Detroit Lions in week two. Now, maybe the Jags end up being really good this coming season. Maybe the Lions end up being really good this coming season. But as things stand right now, you're looking at the Commanders opening their 2022 regular season against the two worst teams in the NFL in the 2021 regular season. So a good chance to start 2-0. and Will it happen? Who the heck knows? Okay. But the Commanders aren't set to run through some gauntlet in weeks one and two. And then the final five weeks of the Commanders 2022 regular season. How about this? A week 14 bye week and then three home games over the final four weeks. Home to the New York Giants in week 15, at the San Francisco 49ers in week 16, home to the Cleveland Browns in week 17, and home to the Dallas Cowboys in week 18. Now again, nothing's a certainty. Nothing's a guarantee. But the final five weeks of the Commander's 2022 regular season are a week 14 bye week, and then three home games over the final four weeks. The Commanders have an opportunity here to begin their 2022 regular season well and to end the 2022 regular season well. Uh, Another thing that jumps out at me, and this has been a big deal already, is that week 14 bye week. The Commanders in their 2022 regular season schedule having a week 14 bye week. This is the latest bye ever for the Washington Redskins slash Washington football team slash Washington Commanders. The NFL first started doing bye weeks in the 1990s season. It never has the team now known as the Commanders had a bye week in week 14 to say nothing of having a bye week later than week 14. Now, is a week 14 bye week a late bye week? Absolutely. That is the latest bye week that an NFL team can have. But I'll tell you this, I would much rather have a super late bye week than a super early bye week. You always rather have a mid-season bye week, but you're not going to have a mid-season bye week every year. Understand Washington in each of the three previous regular seasons had a mid-season bye week. 2019 bye week 10, 2020 bye week 8, 2021 bye week 9. That run was going to end, okay? You're not going to have a mid-season bye week every year. So if you're asking me, well, you got to pick one extreme, very early bye week or a very late bye week, 100% give me the late bye week. Uh, NFL bye weeks take place from weeks 6 through 14. I would much rather that the commanders have their bye in week 14 than the commanders have their bye in week 6. I mean, you think about it, a week 14 bye can refresh a team for a postseason run over the team's final four regular season games. Now, getting to week 14 might be a problem. Yes. Okay. Uh, And the commanders may well hit a wall come midseason or come, you know, week 11, week 12, week 13 
something like that. But, you know, I hated it when Washington had super early bye weeks in the 2017 and 2018 regular seasons. Washington in the 2017 regular season had a week five bye. Washington in the 2018 regular season had a week four bye. And those two early buys proved to be especially bad given how injury ravaged Washington ended up becoming in each of those two seasons. Uh, again, you want a midseason buy, yes, but you're not going to have that every year. Not every team can have a midseason buy. Now, personally, I think that the NFL should just condense all teams by weeks into like a five week stretch of, say, week seven through 11. But the NFL doesn't do that. The NFL spreads out by weeks, week six through 14. Much more on the Commanders 2022 regular season schedule in moments, but someone who never takes a bye week is Kellen Hunt. You remember when Bill Belichick said, no days off? Uh, That's Kellen Hunt. He's the Belichick of Washington, D.C. area real estate agents. Visit closeitwithkell.com. That's closeitwithkell, K-E-L-L.com to book a call with Kellen Hunt to discuss your real estate needs and make sure that you tell Kell that Al Galdi sent you. You know, the competition for homes in the D.C. area right now is extreme. High demand coupled with low inventory. You know how that goes. And so homes in the D.C. area are going under contract quickly after those homes are listed. And when I say the D.C. area, I mean in a variety of places in the D.C. area. Uh, Kensington, Maryland, Delray in Alexandria, Virginia, American University Park, in Washington, D.C., the real estate market throughout this area is hot. How do you make sure that you get the home that you want and deserve? What's the right strategy? Well, this is where Kellen Hunt comes in. Kellen Hunt has a mastery of the Washington, D.C. area real estate market, but you know he's not just some know-it-all. He is here for you. He is here to listen to you, to hear what you want, and then determine the best way of going about getting it. If you're wanting to buy a home in the D.C. area, you need a smart realtor. You need a Belichick to ensure that your offer is the offer that wins. Put Kellen Hunt to work for you. His website says it all. Closeitwithkell.com. Kellen Hunt is a closer, and Kellen Hunt is willing to put a portion of his commission back in your pocket. Yes, you the buyer Get a piece of the action. Kellen Hunt knows what buyers like you are facing, and he wants to help. So visit closeitwithkell.com. That's closeitwithkell, K-E-L-L.com. Book a call with Kellen Hunt to discuss your real estate needs, and make sure that you tell Kell that Al Galdi sent you. You have nothing to lose. Visit closeitwithkell.com. Book an introductory call with Kellen Hunt at closeitwithkell.com. If you're trying to buy a home in the Washington, D.C. area, you will do well by going with Kell. Visit closeitwithkell.com and tell Kell that Al Galdi sent you. Well, Kellen Hunt is a primetime player. Uh, We get back to the Commanders 2022 regular season schedule and the Commanders in their 2022 regular season schedule have just two primetime games. Now, I am a fan of this, okay? No fan am I of my football team playing in prime time for a variety of reasons. Principal among them, I hate waiting all day for my team to play. You know, if it was up to me, every commander's game would be Sunday afternoon at one. I get that that can't be the case, but I don't like waiting around all day for my football team to play. I want to get at it, man. Okay. That rhythm of the NFL season of your team playing one o'clock Sunday in, Sunday out. That's a cool thing. I love that. And I don't like that being disrupted. But 
if you have to have primetime games to only have two, I think is a good thing. So I'm happy with this. So the commander's two scheduled primetime games in the team's 2022 regular season schedule are a game at the Chicago Bears on Thursday night football in week six and a game at the Philadelphia Eagles on Monday Night Football in Week 10. So a potential very juicy night that night with Carson Wentz at the Eagles. Uh, Washington in the 2021 regular season played three primetime games. Week 2, the 30-29 walk-off win over the New York Giants at FedEx Field on Thursday Night Football. Week 12, a 17-15 win over the Seattle Seahawks at FedEx Field on Monday Night Football in the oh-so-rare Washington victory at FedEx Field on Monday Night Football. And then there was the nightmare. Week 16, the 56-14 loss at the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday Night Football the night after Christmas. You know, in recent years, Washington has basically been disrespected when it comes to primetime games. And I don't blame the NFL one bit for this, okay? We have had so many embarrassing performances by Washington in primetime, especially uh, by Washington on Monday Night Football. Although last season, the embarrassment came on Sunday Night Football, that uh, 42-point loss at the Cowboys the night after Christmas. But as you may recall, Washington in the 2020 regular season did not have a single scheduled primetime game. Now, Washington ended up playing a primetime game in the 2020 regular season. The 2014 win at the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday Night Football in Week 17 to clinch the NFC East. But Washington entered the 2020 regular season with, and for much of the season, had zero scheduled primetime games. Washington's 2020 regular season had been poised to be the franchise's first regular season without a primetime game since the 1982 regular season. And this was off what happened in the 2019 regular season. Washington's 2019 regular season schedule marked the first time since the NFL's 2002 realignment that not a single one of Washington's NFC East games was a primetime game or a Thanksgiving game. So, you know, the NFL has woken up to the fact that Washington has been an embarrassment in primetime for years now. Although, if we're being fair about things, Washington being an embarrassment in primetime mostly has had to do with Monday night football. Now, again, the embarrassment in primetime last season for Washington was on Sunday night football, but the franchise's brutal history in primetime games really does have to do with Monday Night Football. The records are staggering. Our commanders will go into the 2022 season 3-17 and all-time in regular season games at FedEx Field on Monday Night Football, 3-16 and in regular season games on Monday Night Football since the start of the 2008 season, and 5-21 and in regular season games on Monday Night Football since the start of the 2001 season, but there is not a home Monday night game for the Commanders in the 2022 regular season. There is a road Monday night game for the Commanders in the 2022 regular season at the Philadelphia Eagles in Week 10. The Commanders in their 2022 regular season are not playing on Thanksgiving. Uh, that's a good thing. You know, this has become like a yearly thing now, this anticipation that Washington will be playing on Thanksgiving because we got so used to this over a five-season stretch. Washington from 2016 through 2020 played on Thanksgiving in four of five seasons. That was some run. Uh, Thanksgiving 2016, Thanksgiving 2017, Thanksgiving 2018, Thanksgiving 2020. Now, uh, there was some success during that stretch. Thanksgiving 2017, 
The Redskins beat the New York Giants at FedEx Field 2010. Thanksgiving 2020, the Washington football team won at the Dallas Cowboys in dominant fashion 41 16. But Washington all time on Thanksgiving is a mere four and eight. Uh, the less of Washington on Thanksgiving, to me, the better. So I'm just fine uh, with the Commanders not having a game on Thanksgiving this year. Uh, the Commanders in their 2022 regular season schedule do not have three consecutive road games at any point. That's a good thing. Uh, you never want that, right? Three consecutive road games. Although what's funny about that is that the last time we had that, Washington went 3-0 and over those three games. Washington in its 2020 regular season had three consecutive road games in a regular season for the first time since the 2016 season and for just the second time since the 2002 season, but Washington went 3-0 and over those three games. But the most road games for the Commanders in a condensed period of time in their 2022 regular season will be playing three road games in four weeks, weeks 10 through 13, at the Philadelphia Eagles on Monday Night Football in week 10, at the Houston Texans in week 11, home to the Atlanta Falcons in week 12, and at the New York Giants in week 13. Uh, Okay, I mean, that to me is a more than manageable stretch. At the Eagles, at the Texans, home to the Falcons, at the Giants. I mean, that's a very doable stretch, in my opinion, for the Commanders, if the team is what we hope that the team ends up being. So, you know, again, as we're going through this year, the NFL, I think, has given the Commanders a more than fair schedule. I've seen a lot of, like, anti- commander schedule sentiment out there and people not liking this schedule. I think it's a pretty good schedule. Uh, Now, there is this, and this would be my least favorite thing about the commander's 2022 regular season schedule. The commanders for the 2022 regular season are set up to have an NFL worst tying five weeks in which the team has less rest than its opponent. Uh, Rest matters and that the Commanders are poised to have an NFL worst tying five games in which the Commanders have less rest than their opponent has. That's not good. Uh, There are two other NFL teams with 2022 regular season schedules that give the teams five weeks each in which the team has less rest than its opponent. Uh, Those two teams are the Green Bay Packers and the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, You could say that the Packers and Chargers are well-equipped for five such games. We'll see if the Commanders are, but that would be my least favorite thing about the Commanders' 2022 regular season schedule. Five times out of 17 games, the Commanders will have less rest uh, than their opponent will have going into the game, assuming that the schedule plays out as it is supposed to play out. And then a final thought on the Commanders' 2022 regular season schedule is this. Uh, There is not an NFC East round-robin for the Commanders this coming season. Uh, the Commanders last season, as you certainly remember, had almost all of their NFC East games bunched in tight at the end of the regular season. Washington's first NFC East game in the 2021 regular season was hosting the New York Giants on Thursday Night Football in Week 2. That was Washington's only NFC East game over the first 13 weeks of the season. But then each of Washington's final five games in the 2021 regular season was an NFC East game. And as you may recall, our commander's head coach, Ron Rivera, referred to this as the NFC East round robin. And, you know, it kind of set up as something where you said, all right, all Washington had to do last regular season was tread water, stay in the mix, and then make a charge over those final five games 
in the regular season. Well, the problem ended up being that Washington in the round robin went just one and four, including losing each of the first four games in the round robin. Uh, Week 14, a 27-20 loss to the Dallas Cowboys at FedEx Field. Week 15, a 27-17 loss at the Philadelphia Eagles on a Tuesday night game. Week 16, the 56-14 loss at the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday night football the night after Christmas. Week 17, a 2016 loss to the Philadelphia Eagles at FedEx Field. And then finally came a win, Week 18, 22-7 win at the New York Giants. Now, yes, during a good chunk of this stretch, Washington was dealing with its brutal COVID outbreak. But still, the round robin did not play out well. You know, this did not turn out to be what we thought that it could have ended up being. So this coming season, the Commanders will have a diversifying of their NFC East games, a spreading out of their NFC East games. The Commanders 2022 regular season schedule features the following NFC East games. Week three, home to the Philadelphia Eagles. Week four, at the Dallas Cowboys. Week 10, at the Philadelphia Eagles on Monday Night Football. Week 13, at the New York Giants. Week 15, home to the New York Giants. Week 18, home to the Dallas Cowboys. So a few things stand out there. Number one, Uh, The Commanders will be facing the Giants not just twice in three weeks, but will be facing the Giants over two consecutive games because the Commanders have a Week 14 bye. So it's Week 13 at the Giants, Week 14 bye, Week 15 home to the Giants. So that's a unique stretch. And then the other thing that really jumps out, right, is season-ending game against the Cowboys at FedEx Field. Uh, Could that be? Might that be? For the NFC East, Uh, that would be juicy. That would be something. Of course, we had that in the 2012 regular season. It's, I think, the greatest uh, moment at FedEx Field ever. Not that that there are a lot to choose from, but week 17 of the 2012 regular season, the Redskins defeating the Dallas Cowboys at FedEx Field on Sunday Night Football to clinch the NFC East. What a night that was. What a performance that was uh, by the Skins, especially by Alfred Morris, who was a monster in that game. So it would be awesome to have something like that this coming season. But yeah, uh, the Commanders will be concluding their regular season with a home game against the Cowboys. Keep this in mind, too, with Ron Rivera. He does have a knack for doing his best work late in regular seasons. Uh, Ron Rivera, over his regular season NFL head coaching career, is 54-38, and 38, 16 games above 500 in November, December, and January regular season games. Uh, his teams routinely have played their best late in seasons. Ron, as Carolina Panthers head coach, went an absurd 41-19 and over his first seven seasons in November, December, and January regular season games. Uh, now, last season, you had mixed results when it came to November, December, and January regular season games for Washington. You had the four-game winning streak, Weeks 10 through 13, those were all November slash December regular season games, but then came a four-game losing streak in December and early January before Washington concluded its 2021 regular season with the 22-7 win at the New York Giants. Never forget this about Washington's 2021 regular season. It was about as up and down of a regular season as the franchise has ever had. The final record ended up being 7-10. and Washington lost its first game, won the next game, lost the third game, won the fourth game, then had a four-game losing streak, 
then had a four-game winning streak, then had another four-game losing streak, and then concluded the regular season with that win at the New York Giants. Very bizarre season in terms of the pattern of wins and losses. Up next, I'm talking Nationals. Uh, Their managing principal owner, Mark Lerner, was at their 4-1 loss to the New York Mets at Nationals Park on Thursday afternoon. I have some thoughts off that. And I'll sound off on maybe the single worst blunder by the Nats so far this season. It was a blunder made by two of the Nats' best players. I'll get to all of that and more after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, we now are more than a fifth of the way into the Nationals 2022 regular season, and the Nats have exactly twice as many losses as the team has wins. Uh, Is that good? No, that is not good. Uh, The Nats on Thursday afternoon fell to 11-22 and this season, a 4-1 loss to the New York Mets at Nationals Park. So the Nats ended up losing two of the three games in the series. The Nats this season now are just 4-13 at home, versus being 7-9 and nine on the road. Uh, now look, the Mets are off to a great start to their season. Uh, now, I don't trust the Mets, okay? I like never trust the Mets. The Mets have this like perpetual dark cloud hanging over them. And so for the Mets, seemingly anything that can go wrong eventually does go wrong. There's a reason that in New York, there's a saying, that's so Mets. But the Mets so far this season have been really good. Uh, the Mets now are a National League East best 22-11 and 11, with an NL East best run differential of plus 36. You know, the Mets this season have yet to lose a series. So right now, it's not a shocker that the rebuilding Nats lost two or three games to the first place Mets. But yeah, I mean, the Nats are not a good team. They're not having a good season. The record is 11-22. and 22. Uh, The Nats have an NL East worst run differential of minus 30. But I got to tell you, there was something from Thursday afternoon's game 
that stood out to me in like a big picture way. So shown in attendance at Thursday afternoon's game via Masson was the Nets managing principal owner, Mark Lerner. Now, Mark Lerner traditionally attends many Nats games, so him being in attendance on Thursday afternoon wasn't some massive surprise or anything like that. But for whatever reason, Masson showed Mark in attendance at the game. And it was a reminder of something that's a really big deal right now with the Nats. And that is that the Nats, for all intents and purposes, are up for sale. Uh, Now, yes, it may be that the learners do not end up outright selling the Nats, but personally, I do think that we should consider the Nats up for sale. Uh, Remember, April 11th, it was on that day that we learned that the learners had begun exploring selling a portion of the Nats to a new limited investor or new limited investors or just outright selling the team. Now, maybe it ends up being that the learners just sell a portion of the team. But to me, if you're thinking of selling or are open to the possibility of selling, then you're selling, you know? Like if you're open to selling the team outright, then I think that you are selling the team outright. Maybe it doesn't end up working out that way, but the point is you are open to that being the ultimate outcome. So to me, the learners are selling the team. That's the way that I'm looking at this. And So we right now have the Nats not just in a rebuild, but also the Nats having ownership uncertainty. We right now have the Nats with baseball uncertainty and with ownership uncertainty. That's quite the double whammy, right? And you would think that a sale of the Nats is going to take some time because sales of multi-billion dollar sports franchises don't usually happen quickly. Now, I suppose a sale could happen quickly, right? Anything's possible, but we shouldn't be counting on the sale of the Nats happening quickly. So this ownership uncertainty for the Nats could be going on for a while. And so I'm thinking about this watching the game on Thursday afternoon and who on the Nats ended up having a big game on Thursday afternoon. None other than Juan Soto, the man whose contract situation looms over everything with the Nats right now. Uh, Soto on Thursday afternoon as the Nats starting right fielder and number two batter, two for four, with a solo homer and a double. Uh, more on his day in a bit. So here we have the Nats now at 11 and 22, in the midst of a rebuild with major ownership uncertainty and Soto having two seasons left of team control after this season. I mean, whatever chance there was of Soto signing a long-term contract extension with the Nats for now would seem out the window. And it's debatable whether he and his agent, Scott Boris, have ever truly been open to a contract extension with the Nats to begin with. But now, I mean, again, think about this. And this just sort of like crystallized, I thought, on Thursday afternoon with Mark Lerner sitting there and Juan Soto having this big game, and the Nats losing again. But rebuilding team, plus major ownership uncertainty, plus Soto after this season being just two years away from free agency and the open market and the bidding war that almost certainly would ensue, uh, what do you think? You know, like if you're Juan Soto, what are you thinking right now? It just feels right now that the chance of Soto signing a contract extension with the Nats is like microscopic, you know? Because nothing seems to be trending in that direction. Nothing seems to be suggesting that a Soto extension 
with the Nats could be happening at any point in the near future. So I was thinking about all of this while watching this 4-1 Nats loss to the Mets at Nationals Park on Thursday afternoon. But then I also thought about this, who the Nats opponent was, the Mets, and their newish owner, Steve Cohen, and how much him buying the Mets has changed things for the Mets. Now, no, the, the Mets haven't actually won anything since Cohen bought the team, but the Mets now are financial players like never before. Steve Cohen completed his purchase of the Mets in November 2020. He performs real-time net worth on Thursday was worth $17.4 billion. For comparison's sake, the learners per Forbes real-time net worth on Thursday were worth $4.1 billion. Steve Cohen is worth more than four times what the learners are worth. The Mets recently designated Robinson Cano for assignment, eating tens of millions of dollars still owed to Cano. Money no longer matters to the Mets. And so I do wonder if the Nats get a new owner like a Steve Cohen. And no, someone like that is not easy to find. I get that, right? But, you know, Jeff Bezos is an obvious name to bring up. Uh, Elon Musk is a name to bring up. I mean, who knows? But if someone who is absurdly rich, even by absurdly rich standards, buys the Nats and wants to make a splash with the Nats, Maybe a new owner is, in fact, exactly what could get a Juan Soto contract extension done. Maybe as bleak as things appear to be right now when it comes to the Nats signing Juan Soto to a contract extension could end up changing big time over the next, say, 12 months if, in fact, the Nats' next owner, if, in fact, there is going to be a next owner, ends up being some kind of richy rich who really wants to make an immediate impact. I mean, even if it's not a Jeff Bezos or an Elon Musk, you know, you think about an ownership group led by Ted Leonsis, and Ted's name already has come up. We know that Ted Leonsis values stars and is not afraid to pay stars. We have seen that with his ownerships of the Capitals and Wizards. You know, maybe an ownership group led by Ted Leonsis would make it a point to get a contract extension with Soto done. But right now, I don't know about you, but an extension for Soto with the Nats under the current circumstances feels nearly impossible. Uh, all right, as for Soto's performance on Thursday afternoon, so he went two for four with a solo homer and a double. Uh, Soto in the bottom of the fourth had a leadoff full count double off the right center field wall, and Soto in the bottom of the ninth had a two-out solo homer to right center field off Mets closer Edwin Diaz to cut the Nats deficit to 4-1. How about the metrics on this homer? So the homer per stat cast went a projected 394 feet. Okay, I mean, that's impressive. That's not like overly impressive. But the homer per stat cast had an exit velocity of 105.8 miles per hour. The pitch from Diaz per stat cast was a 100.6 mile per hour four seam fastball. So the pitch came in at 100.6 miles per hour. And the baseball went bye-bye at 105.8 miles per hour. Uh, that was some shot by Soto, given the pitch from Diaz. But going back to that Soto double in the bottom of the fourth, uh, that double preceded the latest base-running embarrassment by the Nats. And of all the things from the actual game on Thursday afternoon, this is the thing that sticks with you. 
this base running embarrassment by the Nats may be a new low for this season. Uh, this base running embarrassment was really bad. This base running embarrassment also was one of the more creative and unique base running embarrassments that you'll ever see. So Josh Bell in the bottom of the fourth came up to bat with Juan Soto on second, no outs, and the Nats trailing 3 nothing. Bell hit a grounder to the Mets third baseman, Luis Guillorme, who quickly got Soto caught in a rundown. Uh, Soto was tagged out by the Mets starting pitcher, Taiwan Walker, while sliding into third base. Bell then slid into second base. This as Walker's throw to second base sailed wide and into the outfield. Well, Bell then took off for third base. But Bell ended up being tagged out by a mile at third base, off running toward third base with his head down, and thus not seeing Soto still at third base. And the Mets right fielder, Starling Marte, made a strong throw to third base. And so what ended up happening was Bell got tagged out at third base while Soto was laying stomach down in the base path and touching third base while on the infield dirt. This entire sequence was so strange and so quirky and looked so bizarre and was so disappointing given that the sequence involved two of the Nats' top hitters, right? In Juan Soto and Josh Bell, two guys who absolutely should know better. Uh, The mistakes by the Nats in this sequence are almost too many to count. You had the bad read by Soto resulting in him being caught in the rundown to begin with. You then had Soto just staying at third base. You had Bell running with his head down and not seeing Soto still at third base. You had a potential Nats rally. Again, Juan Soto on second, no outs, Josh Bell batting, eradicated with the play, ultimately being a double play. Like, you can go on and on and on with how many things were wrong with this play from a Nats perspective. Uh, Nats manager Davey Martinez during his postgame press conference on Thursday afternoon on this latest base running boo-boo by his Nats. Uh, it wasn't good. Juan um, thought the ball, he was going to backhand the ball deeper in the hole. He thought he could make it to third. Uh, JB slid in the second, saw the ball go by him, and he thought it was, it was out in the outfield, so he just took off running. So um, just a, just took us took us out of a big inning right there. I mean, you know, you're down, we're down. They got, you know, I think Juan's got to see the ball through right there um, and hold off. So, um, you know, Juan, talk, I talked to him about it. Um, JB, you know, once again, just trying to be overly aggressive. Um, but those are two big mistakes. You know, we, we've had a chance with, our, with some of our big hitters up there driving some runs, and um, we ran into two outs. Ideally, how would that sequence have played out? Stay. Watch the ball through. I mean, we're down. See the ball go through the infield. I mean, that's how that should have worked out. Yeah, Davey Martinez was right about that. I mean, that play with Juan Soto and Josh Bell was amateur hour. And like I said, they should know better, okay? They are better than that. The Nats are making way too many outs on the base paths. We're seeing this over and over and over again. And, you know, some of this, yes, may be a function of Nats players trying too hard with the offense still not in a very good place. But, you know, some of this, maybe even most of this, is just bad decisions that are being made. Uh, either by players or by the Nats third base coach, Gary DeSarcina. You know, DeSarcina has presided over way too many Nats being thrown out at uh, various home plates across the majors so far this season. Uh, the Nats on Thursday afternoon did have another one of their very unimpressive offensive games. Just one run, just four hits, 
just one walk, uh, 0 for 1 with runners in scoring position. Yeah, the Nats had just one at-bat with a runner in scoring position the entire game. It's funny with the Nats right now. Some games, the offense looks great. Some games, the offense looks terrible. Uh, now, you know, in fairness to the Nats, the Mets starting pitcher, Taiwan Walker, was good, and he is having a really good season. Walker, on Thursday afternoon, seven scoreless innings. Uh, as for the Nats starting pitcher on Thursday afternoon, Yoan Adone. Uh, well, you could say that old Yoan had some control problems on Thursday afternoon. Uh, Adone, in this 4-1 loss to the Mets at Nationals Park, allowed three runs in three and two-thirds innings. Uh, his control, again, was not good. He issued five walks, a hit-by-pitch, and a wild pitch. Uh, how about this? He threw 84 pitches, just 44 strikes versus 40 balls, a strike-to-ball ratio that was nearly one-to-one. That's not good. Uh, Adone gave up three hits, all of which were singles. He recorded two strikeouts. Uh, Adone in the top of the first allowed two runs. He issued a leadoff six-pitch walk of Brandon Nimmo. Adone issued a one-out seven-pitch walk of Francisco Lindor. Adone issued a two-out six-pitch walk of Jeff McNeil to load the bases. And then Adone gave up a two-out bases loaded at two-run single to Mark Canna to shallow left center field for a 2 nothing Mets lead. And then Adone issued a two-out wild pitch. Uh, Adone did then toss a scoreless top of the second, but he tossed that scoreless top of the second despite issuing a leadoff four-pitch walk of Luis Guillorme and then issuing a one-out five-pitch walk of Brandon Nimmo. Adone in the top of the fourth gave up another run and recorded just two outs. Uh, He gave up a leadoff infield single to Mark Canna on a swinging bunt on a one-two pitch. Adone issued a hit-by-pitch of J.D. Davis. Adone gave up a two-out RBI single to Tomas Nito through the left side of the infield on an 0-2 pitch for a 3-0 Mets lead. And then that was it. Uh, Davey Martinez then pulled Adone in favor of Erasmo Ramirez. Here was Davey during his postgame press conference on Thursday afternoon on Yoan Adone. Yeah, he couldn't repeat his he couldn't repeat his delivery. He um, he was flying open, a lot of arm side misses, um, a lot of yank curveballs. Um, like I said, he just couldn't he couldn't really get into his body today, and uh, mechanically, he just wasn't there today. I mean, you you really it's, it's something that you know you know we try to get him to you know just focus on you know focus on your head, focus on you know your 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 feet going straight to the catcher. But it's you know when 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 you're in the middle of a game like that, it's tough to to do that sometimes. You know, so today he just he couldn't do it. I've seen him do it in the past, but today he couldn't do it. So you look at Yoan Adone now this season. He over seven starts has an ERA of 7.03 and a whip of 1.72. Uh, those numbers are really bad. And here's maybe Adone's worst stat. He this season has a walks per nine innings of 6.47. He's averaging 6.47 walks per nine innings. That is an astronomical walk rate. You know, there are things to like about Yoan Adone. He throws hard. He gets strikeouts. Uh, his strikeouts per nine innings this season is 8.16. Adone has a mound presence about him that I think is compelling. He is capable of pitching well. You know, Adone in the Nats one nothing win over the Arizona Diamondbacks at Nationals Park on April 19th in game two of a doubleheader sweep tossed six into third scoreless innings with five strikeouts, becoming the first Nats starting pitcher this season to complete at least six innings in a game. Uh, but man, Adone is like the new Henry Rodriguez. For those of you 
who remember him as an ads reliever. Adone, like old H-Rod, uh, cannot find the plate sometimes. Uh, Adone in a 5 nothing Nats loss to the New York Mets at Nationals Park on April 9th allowed four runs in four into third innings. He in that game issued four walks, a hit-by-pitch, and two wild pitches. Uh, Adone in an Nats 9-4 loss at the Pittsburgh Pirates on April 14th allowed six runs in four and two-thirds innings. He in that game issued three walks and a wild pitch. Adone in a 9-3 Nats loss at the San Francisco Giants on April 30th allowed four runs in four innings. He in that game issued three walks and two hit-by-pitches. Adone in the Nats 3-0 loss at the Los Angeles Angels last Friday night, May 6th, allowed three runs in five innings. He struggled with his control in that game. He issued five walks into wild pitch. He threw just 51 strikes versus 34 balls over 85 pitches, and he committed a throwing error on a pickoff attempt. You know, Adonis had problems with his pickoff attempts, but also for Adon in that loss at the Angels last Friday night was him giving up just three hits, a double, and two singles, and he recorded six strikeouts, including striking out Mike Trout and Shohei Otani in succession on a combined seven pitches for the final two outs in the bottom of the third with a runner on first. Like I said, there are things to like about Yoan Adone, but the control problems loom large. Uh, here was some more from Davey Martinez during his post-game press conference on Thursday afternoon on Yoan Adone. This on trying to keep him from, like, unraveling during these ongoing struggles. Yeah, I mean, you know, for us, it's not, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, of course you want to win. You know, he wants to go out there and win. But right now, it's it's just about uh, focusing on, on the little things with him. And a lot of it's due to his mechanics. Um, so we got, we just got to keep working with him. I mean, look, you know, for what it's worth, I mean, he, he gave us, 80 something pitches, you know, could have been you know, even uglier than that. And it could have, I mean, it could have destroyed our bullpen for the weekend. But he battled um, as far as he could battle. At one point, you know, at a certain point, I got to make a decision that he's had enough. Um, but, you know, he, he threw some double play balls, which, was, which helped him out throughout. But, you know, when you're walking, you know, that many guys, um, it's tough. And your pitch count is up to 80-something in, in three and uh, two-third innings. It's tough. So, um, but we'll, we'll, you know, we'll, Hickey's going to work with him. We'll talk to him about a few things that, that we think might help him. And then we'll see, we'll see where, uh, where he goes in, in five days. Yeah, this season is Yoan Adone's age 23 season. The Nats signed Adone as an amateur free agent out of the Dominican Republic in July 2016. He is a young starting pitcher. He is a talented young starting pitcher. The Nats are so desperate right now for quality young starting pitchers. So the development of Adone does matter. And he definitely is a guy to be tracking here as this Nats rebuild goes on. Uh, as for the Nats bullpen on Thursday afternoon, the bullpen was good. Uh, four Nats relievers combined to allow one run in five and a third innings. Erasmo Ramirez tossed one into third scoreless innings. You know, Ramirez now has an ERA this season of 208. Uh, Carl Edwards Jr. tossed two perfect innings. Kyle Finnegan tossed a perfect top of the eighth. The lone run that came off the Nats bullpen came off Steve Ciszek in the top of the ninth, during which he gave up a leadoff homer to Mark Canna to left center field for a 4 nothing Mets lead. That was some shot by Canada. The homer winner projected 411 feet per stat cast. Uh, next up for the Nats is the return of former Nats manager Dusty Baker to Nationals Park as the Nats this weekend will face the Dusty Baker-managed Houston Astros in a three-game series. So you have the Dusty Baker storyline. You have the Nats-Astros storyline of those two teams, as you may recall, having met 
in the 2019 World Series that was won uh, by the Nats. Uh, but the Astros have been outstanding so far this season. Hottest team in the majors. Uh, the Astros are 21-11. and 11. The Astros have won 10 consecutive games, and the Astros are in first place in the American League West. Uh, game one Friday night at 7.05, Josiah Gray will be the Nats starting pitcher. Game two Saturday night at 7.05, Eric Fetty will be the Nats starting pitcher. And game three Sunday afternoon at 1.35, Patrick Corbin will be the Nats starting pitcher. Well, what a job by the Orioles on Thursday afternoon. They won a game that they, in a lot of ways, had no business winning. Uh, They ended up winning a series that they, in a lot of ways, had no business winning. A 3-2 win at the St. Louis Cardinals to take two of the three games in the series as the O's, Joe Angel, again, were in the win column. And the Orioles, again, in the win column. Yes, Joe, the win column. Uh, Don't look down. But the O's this season now are 14 and 18. And yes, that is a losing record. But by recent Orioles standards, that's good. Uh, And it's not just that. The O's, since their 6 and 14 start to the season, are 8 and 4. You know, the O's have been a really bad team, basically, since September 2017. Their rebuild has taken years. Uh, We so far this season are seeing signs that the rebuild finally is paying off, and we are poised to be getting a whole lot more signs once the likes of catcher Adley Rutschman and starting pitchers Grayson Rodriguez and D.L. Hall are called up to the majors. But speaking of starting pitchers, the O's on Thursday afternoon went with a bullpen game, and the bullpen game went quite well. Uh, six Orioles relievers, one of whom technically served as a starter, combined to allow two runs in nine innings with nine strikeouts. I've talked about how good the Orioles starting pitching has been recently. Well, the O's on Thursday afternoon didn't even use a true starting pitcher, and yet the pitching was really good. Uh, The Orioles starter was reliever Brian Baker. Uh, He tossed two and a third scoreless innings with three strikeouts. Keegan Aiken then tossed two and two-thirds scoreless innings with four strikeouts, lowering his ERA for the season to 171. Dylan Tate tossed a scoreless bottom of the sixth, lowering his ERA for the season to 230. Felix Batista tossed a scoreless bottom of the ninth, lowering his ERA for the season to 193. The O's right now are missing a number of pitchers. Uh, Starting pitchers John Means and Chris Ellis are on the 60-day injured list. Starter Dean Kramer is on the 10-day injured list. Reliever Alexander Wells is on the 10-day injured list. Uh, Reliever Jorge Lopez is on the bereavement list. And yet, the O's on Thursday afternoon figured out a way to win at the Cardinals to win the series. The O's put together a bullpen game that worked out beautifully. Again, two runs in nine innings, nine strikeouts. O's manager, Brandon Hyde, during his postgame session with reporters on Thursday afternoon. Well, it feels good. I mean, you win a series on the road in St. Louis, that's not an easy thing to do. And, um, you know, kind of where we are organizationally right now, I think everybody's proud of how we're playing. And um, just got to keep playing. We're going to keep playing hard. Uh, our pitchers, I'm so happy they're pitching. It's, you know, how about Baker? Baker hadn't pitched in five or six days. He's throwing 96. He gets us into the third inning. I was expecting one plus, maybe two. He's throwing the ball so well, goes out, back out for the third. 
Ake did a fantastic job going two and two thirds. Tate with a good inning. Um, you know, we give up two runs to these guys in a bullpen day. It's that's pretty good. Yes, it was pretty good. Uh, now, the Orioles' offense on Thursday afternoon, again, was not so good. Uh, the O's totaled just three runs, just eight hits, no walks. Uh, the O's went one for three with runners in scoring position, just three at-bats with runners in scoring position the entire game. The Orioles' team OPS this season is a mere 655. Uh, but the O's lately are winning, and they're pitching remarkably has been why. Next up for the O's is a three-game series at the Detroit Tigers. Game one Friday night at 7-10. Jordan Lyles will be the Orioles starting pitcher. Game two Saturday afternoon at 4-10. Bruce Zimmerman will be the Orioles starting pitcher. And game three Sunday afternoon at 1-40. Tyler Wells will be the Orioles starting pitcher. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Monday show, episode 315, will feature plenty on the Commanders as well as on the end of the Capitol Series against the Florida Panthers in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. We know that the series will end this weekend. Uh, game six at Capital Win Arena Friday night at 7.30. Game 7, if necessary, would take place at Florida on Sunday. Uh, the Caps are down in the series, three games to two. The Caps must win Game 6 and then win a Game 7 to continue their season. So we on Monday either will have a disappointing ending to the Caps season to discuss, or we will have a glorious first round come from behind upset of the President's Trophy winning Panthers to discuss. Also on Monday show, I'll talk Nationals and Orioles. The Nats this weekend have a three-game series against the Houston Astros at Nationals Park. The O's this weekend have a three-game series at the Detroit Tigers. Have a great weekend, and I'll talk to you on Monday. There it is.